Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we're going to spend a couple hours right up till 5 o'clock engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation, local, state, and national news and politics, and a lot of politics, some more politics, a little natural world, some good stuff going into the big Halloween holiday. Yeah, oh yeah, that's going to be good stuff. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, which is good. Always good to have Dan here backing me up. Thanks for spending some time with us on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO at KSOO.com or on the KSOO mobile app that you can get just by typing KSOO KSOO into the uh, app store, whatever you use. And it'll pop right up there and you download it. Boom. You're good to go. And, of course, our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, is a great way to chat with us whenever you want to. Uh, so, Dan, went downtown last night to watch the debate down at Club David on the big screen down there and uh, uh, hanging out and having a good time. But uh, I, it was uh, – we're going to get to the poll in just a minute here, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the governor's race for the first half hour of this show. Let's just say that. Because so I watched the the debate between uh, Christy Nome and Billy Sutton for the governor, you know, the governor of South Dakota here, uh, and it was on uh, on your Jello Land News last night, and uh, I this was before I'd seen the poll, okay, because the poll came out today, and well, she's poll says they're tied, very close yeah. within the margin of error, and well, tied, wow, straight up forty five forty five. Uh, it's got kind of a big margin, but I'm, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to analyze the poll in the PNL for you, good people. But context here: this poll comes out today. It's tied. I'm watching the debate last night, and I'm just thinking to myself, "She's killing him. She is killing him." Because she's, you know, it's Christy. No, she's aggressive. She's not going to leave anything on the table, as they like to say. And you know, Billy was—he did good in his in his opening and his closing. But I, you know, in between, it just felt like he was always on the defensive. You know, always saying, "Well, you know, Congresswoman, that's just not true." Or in other words, if he were in a wedding crashers mood, he would say, "Erroneous, <laughs> erroneous." That's exactly it. And you know, I—it would just—I don't know. As I'm watching it, first of all, for the love of God, these questions were terrible. Uh, do you plan to live in peer when you, uh, if you're elected? What? <laughs> they were taking, you know, questions off of social media and stuff, but you don't have to ask them. Just because somebody gives it to you doesn't mean you've got to use it. Well, either that or the re- viewership was so low or the participation was so low. They okay. had, oh, we have to take something off of oh. I hope not. I just th- I thought the questions were, 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 were just not good, kind of shallow. You know, and the follow-up wasn't very good. And and that's fine. It's TV, right? I get it. But then they made him sit. So and it's kind of difficult because, you know, okay, Billy Sutton's in a wheelchair. So do you do you have them sit behind a desk? Or do you, I mean, you know, he can't stand up. They're not going to be standing behind podiums. That's, that's silly. And, I mean, this is just a practical matter. But there are visual implications. I mean, you know, I, it, was, it was fine for him and actually for uh, Christy Noem. She was sitting there fine. It was Don Jorgensen and, and Sammy. Uh, 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 Belland. Her. 
they they were the ones that seemed uncomfortable without something in front of them. They were just sitting in chairs, you know, four chairs with like a you know a potted plant or something between them. Well, yeah, because they're usually at a desk when they're delivering their week right. their nightly news. Right. And all I could think was, Don, sit up straight, buddy. He's got kind of didn't look good in the suit. I'm mean, Don's. You know, Don's a good looking man, right? He's tan. He's well. He's rested. He's ready. But he just did it. And and Sammy was doing something with her feet. It didn't. It was very weird. So, uh, but and, the, well, they were nervous. This is probably some. It's out of their element. They don't do yeah, this every day. No, that's true. And sitting in that position like that for an hour. I mean, there's other camera angles, but I. That's what I when I was watching it. I'm just like, this is a very odd looking debate. But it was. It was. You know. It was a lot of it was what you had expected. Uh, 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 Christy Nome was hammering him on uh, that he says he's not for an income tax, but he's basically a socialist because he said he supported uh, the policies of Bernie Sanders, which he said. I mean, they have him on tape saying, I support uh, I support the policies of Bernie Sanders or many of the policies, but I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. So, you know, that's one of her commercials. Uh, then the whole idea with the income tax, whether or not he supports it or not, you know, he says he doesn't. You know, but the Democrat, the issue that he has is that the Democrat Party platform uh, supports some of the things that he doesn't support. You know, the Democrat Party platform is 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 pro-choice. He says he's pro-life. And I, I believe him. I don't doubt that he's pro-life, but he's he's the leader of the Democratic Party, essentially. And so he he, he has that, that he's got that conflict. He opens him up for some of these ads. It does. And and you think about when it was time for him to vote for someone in the Democratic primary, he had to choose. Yep. And he chose Hillary. Which I don't begrudge him for that because who is he going to choose? I'm not going to. I'm sitting this one out. Like, I don't no, like it. What? You don't get to sit him out. You got to you got to pick. Um, and so but there's this tape of him and there's tape of him at uh, at a the Blue Ribbon Task Force meeting. And this is what they're using against him. Uh in the ad, there's tape of him saying, what about an income tax? It's not that he is supporting an income tax. It's that he brought up the issue at the Blue Ribbon Task Force meeting on, on teacher pay. So, but then you're, then you're stuck with these clips, right? And so he ends up having to defend himself. And that's just not the way you want to go into a debate. Always having to be on the defensive. He tried a few times, but it's, it's, he could never get her to take the bait. And that's, that's the thing with Christy Nome when she's campaigning she never takes the bait, ever. Even when she was uh, just coming up into statewide politics, running against Stephanie Herseth and in the primaries, she never took the bait. She always stays on her message, and she always turns. She always turns the in a knife fight. She always turns the knife back on on the person, and it's a it's a, a rare talent. Um, but you is know. is that what South Dakota wants in their next governor? Well, they've voted for her a lot of times. So this is based on history, I would say yes. And this is where my, so yesterday, you know, with my predictions, right? Uh, clearly, I said seven points that she'd be up by seven. Uh, it's tied. Margin of error is a little high at 4.5 because they didn't have a big, a big enough sample in my mind. But I'll right. talk about that in a minute. But uh, yeah, you know, so I'm 0 for 1 on the poll. Uh, but uh, I, if I had to, you know, because, because it's a debate, right? You have to pick a winner and I would have, and it's always about expectations and all that, but I would say that, that Christie won that debate. Doesn't mean she's going to win the election, but she was, she was on the offensive. She was on point. She made her points and didn't have to take a lot of bullets. So I think that, that she came out very well in the debate. 
but that's just my opinion. You know, people, people around me saw it other ways. <laughs> people around me were very upset with me, but that's fine. I, he did, he made a couple of good points, but he, he would wander around before he made the point, you know, um, he was talking about campaign finance and how they made it illegal to transfer your money from your federal account into a state account. And one of the reasons that Christy Noem announced so early was she did that before uh, she set up her committee and, and did it before the law went into effect. He eventually got to that point, but it took him, he, he, was, he didn't make a direct line. And, he, and that's why I think that she wins the debate because she, she was able to make her points more effectively than Billy Sutton. He just isn't experienced in that realm, I would say. We'll see. But uh, we're going to talk more about the governor's race right after the, the break here. We have a, a great show for you today. Um, we're going to finish up our series, our four-part series on, on discussion points uh, around the Siouxland Library's uh, showing of the documentary Big Sonia. Today we're talking about uh, ethics and elder care. We're going to get a little off politics there. Uh, Scott Hudson will be with us uh, to talk about pop culture and music and some different things. And Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus is here, and she's bringing a friend, a bat expert. We're going to talk about bats as we go into Halloween, and I'll have that P&L statement that I promised. And today's topic, ooh, woo, is it tied? That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and as promised, this is the PNL statement, and we're going to continue our discussion about the governor's race and uh, the poll that came out today, uh, and you know, sort of my impressions of it. First of all, I was off; I was off by seven points. I said uh, yesterday that I thought uh, Christy Nome would be up seven points in the poll, which is not a huge margin by any means, and certainly not a crushing would not have been a crushing number for. Uh, Democrats, but they Democrats had set it up as being very, very close, and this poll supports that. 45-45 in the Argus Leader Kello TV poll, um, which, and the reason I'm giving so much love on this poll is it's the only independent poll that you're going to see, as far as I know, in this race. Um, and the firm is Mason Dixon of uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, which is a very good firm and has been polling in South Dakota for a very long time for these media organizations. And so that's, that gives it a lot of credibility. I, I, I've worked with them. I, I know they're very good. And they've been pretty much spot on uh, for the last several cycles. So that's good. So now we have some like good data, right? Um, on, the, on the flip side of that, uh, polling's expensive. Uh, the more people you poll, the more expensive it is. Uh, they went with 500 registered voters, which gives you a uh, margin of plus or minus 4.5. If you go up to around 800, you get down to, I think, two and a half. And that, you know, that would have been better. Sure. Uh, would the results have changed? Maybe not. I mean, that, you know, that's the thing. You can spend more money. You can pull more people and get the same result. So it's six of one, half a dozen of another. But the margin is wider. So there's less certainty. That's what that means. Um. And as I look at it, and here, here's what I think, uh, right off the top. 
One of the things that we're going to find out later this week, tomorrow they're releasing the, uh, the house numbers. I think I said that. I predicted 10 points on that. I think on Friday uh, it's going to be uh, ballot initiatives and uh, Donald Trump approval. And I think that's a key point here, the Donald Trump approval rating. I think, this is my theory, and we'll see if it's borne out uh, on Friday. So the, the working theory in, in, in everything, and the reason people are interested in this race is because uh, everybody says Donald Trump's so popular in South Dakota, he got 60% of the vote, right? And that's true. But I think that discounts the degree to which the president's trade policies have turned a deaf ear on the agriculture sector, uh, despite his promises that we're going to take care of the farmers, all right? We're going to take care of you with this 12, uh, 12 billion. It's going to be okay. Well, that's not going to do it. That's not what farmers want. What they want are markets. What they want are, are, are fair prices and, and a chance to, uh, you know, do their business. And the president's trade policies are making that very difficult and already taking money out of our pockets. So that's a real problem. That's a real concern if you're Christy Noem. And I think that, that those policies that she has not been, she has consistently said, we're telling the president that, the, that we need to keep, you know, we need, but that's not the same. She is tied to Trump, all right? She brought Trump in for a fundraiser. No matter how much you say in a strongly worded letter that you think that these trade policies are detrimental to agriculture, if people don't feel that you are feeling their pain, they're not going to support you. And I think that one of the things that you're seeing in here are independents uh, swinging towards Billy Sutton. He's winning the independent in this poll. Um, I think it's 57%. Um, And amongst women, uh, uh, she is... Uh, 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 he's doing better, right? And that that makes sense, you know. Some of that makes sense. Uh, what does that mean for them going forward, right? So, if you assume that this is reasonably close to true, which I do, that they are somewhere very close together, which they probably are. And I was, I'm surprised. This is, I'm very. I'll tell you, people, I'm surprised that it's this close. What's going to matter in the last two weeks? Organization is going to be huge. Getting people out to the polls is going to be huge. There's a lot of discussion about voter enthusiasm. Are, are the Republican voters enthused to go vote for Christy Noem? I don't, I, that's, that's to be determined. I think they are. They always have been before. She, never, she has never lost. Okay, let's remember that. She has never lost. The issues are a little different in a statewide race, in a, in a governor's race versus a federal race, right? And sometimes uh, that changes the dynamic. Two, so organization is very, very important here, and the Republicans have a better organization. There's just no doubt about that. Money, you know, Billy's raised a lot of money, um, and Christy Noem had to spend a lot of money to get here because uh, she had a primary, but... She has also been raising money. I don't think money is going to be the issue. Message. Billy needs to sharpen the message. Um, I don't really know what he wants to do. You know what I mean? So what, what is his plan for education? If education is a, de- a, a defining issue here between the two of them, and it could be, and I think it should be, what is it? Um, I think 
you know, uh, Christy Noem said last night in the debate that she would, and on a public radio story this that came out today, that she would have signed the transgender bill. Well, that the reason Governor Dugard vetoed it twice, or vetoed it once, and the threatened veto was enough to kill it the second time, was that it was going to basically threaten our ability to uh, to attract uh, NCAA events and some other very big uh, money-making uh, opportunities for the state of South Dakota. It was a practical veto. Let's be serious about that. Billy said he would have voted the way of the governor, but he did not say, I think it's a stupid bill. He did say, not in the debate, but I heard him say on public radio, it's a, it's a solution in search of a problem. And that is exactly the right position. There is no problem. So the degree to which that plays in South Dakota, I don't know. Uh, abortion's a non-issue, right? They're both pro-life. I mean, she can, Christie tries to make that an issue, but it's not really an issue. First of all, it's not really a state issue. Not anymore. So that's kind of off the table. So message is very important, but most important going down in these last two weeks is going to be little things like I talked about yesterday with the press releases, right? That's just a sign of, 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 of sloppiness and unprofessionalism. Tighten up the screws, Billy. It has to be very sharp and it has to be very effective. You can't make mistakes in the final two weeks. That is very true for Christy Noem as well. And if the polling indicates that the president's popularity has taken a turn in South Dakota, she's going to have to do something very drastic to separate herself from that rock. We'll find out on Friday. That's my theory. That's the PNL statement for today. That is the bottom line on the PNL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. I hope you will. Patrick at KSO.com. Get on the Twitters at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with Scott Hudson and Weird Friends. He's got, he's got a scenario that I think you're going to be very interested in. That's all coming up. I'm the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and it's Wednesday. Weird friends. That means it's time for our friend Scott Hudson. Scott, uh, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I can't wait for that prostitution update. By the way, <laughs> just another, just another uh, prostitute from Milwaukee. Wait. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. That's not from Milwaukee oh. this time. Oh, not from Milwaukee. Okay. Good. Oh, whatever, wherever. <laughs> so, hey, uh, by the way, I've been talking about the big poll, uh, the Sutton Gnome Tide. What do you make of that, man? You you watch the politics. What what are your thoughts? Well, I got to say, Christy Gnome has run one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen in South Dakota. I, I she should be winning like two to one. I mean, it's 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 amazing to me. And I got to say, the worst campaign ad I've ever seen in South Dakota history is the is the Hillary Clinton, Billy Sutton ad. Where he says he's for Bernie Sanders' uh, policy. Where, where, where Billy Sutton's not even, where Sutton's not even in the commercial at all. It's all about Hillary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Different one. That's, a, that's embarrassing. What, what does that have to do with being the governor of South Dakota? Despite this, even if what this commercial said was true, uh, which is, you know, not, not really, <laughs> uh, that has nothing to do with running the state of South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, so I, I don't think he will win. 
Um, but it is amazing that it's the closest it is. Yeah. I'm, hey, I said it earlier. I, it's a surprise as anybody. <laughs> yeah. Hey. And, I, and I wonder if it really is that close because these days polling is not the science it was 20 years ago with caller ID and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and, and cell phones. Yeah. You don't get the samples that you got back in the 80s and no, 70s. It's, it's definitely harder. Uh, Mason Dixon's a fine firm, and I, I know that they are uh, on, the, on the front edge of, of dealing with these issues. But as you say, it is more difficult than it once was. There's no yeah. doubt. And yeah. you know, we only have two weeks to wait. So there you have it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It, hey, hold on to your seat. Um, <laughs> but the other big news, of course, in the world, probably bigger news, is is the fact that uh, uh, the, the, it was a massive lottery, and I was yeah. fully expecting because I saw some of your your uh, social media posts, fully expecting for you to not be available today. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if I had one, we would not be talking because I would have disappeared. <laughs> I, I don't know, probably hookers and blow. I, I don't know. Go the Pat O'Brien it, route. Yeah, it would. I nobody would have been able to get a hold of me except for. Uh, you know, someone named Trixie, maybe, you know, <laughs> that is going, that's going deep undercover. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it had led me to think what would I have done if I had won? I mean, uh, I, I and, and I, I actually gave a serious thought, not just the typical, uh, you know, yep. the first off, no politician would have gotten a penny from me. Because I, <laughs> I have not been inspired by a politician in my adult life on either side of the fence. Really? So, no, that would not happen. And also, as for charities, I keep my charities private. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what charities I give to. Mm-hmm. And any charity that bothered me would not get a penny. <laughs> you so, bother me, you risk getting anything from me. And that, that's how it goes even in my broke life. In your broke life, like if somebody calls you and asks for money, they get nothing. No, 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 no. If you if you bother me by calling me, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but let's be real. Mm-hmm. I would give my family. I think I'd give a little. What was a one point six billion or something stupid yeah, like that? Yeah. But say you got half of it, you know. Yeah, six hundred. I million. would give each of my family members like probably ten million a piece. Yeah, that's not bad. I know your I'd mom was concerned. Give yeah, I know she was. She, she was because she was on Facebook. She was very concerned. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think I would even give uh, my son's mother a couple million. Oh, really? Because wow. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. Yep. I'm that kind of guy. Yep. Uh, you know, a handful of other close people would get a few million a, a piece, you know, because, mm-hmm. but you know, if you bother me, you get nothing. Remember <laughs> that. Remember that. Taylor, so now we get and like it. Yeah, you'll get nothing exactly. and like it. So it's now a little we get bit, to go. It's a little bit like Brewster's Millions. Like you can't tell people that you're trying to give away your money. Well, <laughs> but what's now next? we get to what I would do? Ah, okay. Good. First off, I'd buy a private plane. Yes, I, I'd be traveling, and I would set up like a new house in like probably Cornwall. I mean, I'm really into like the the rural English mm-hmm. you know, part of the world, so I'd yeah. probably set up a second house there. Uh, but then I throw a little party here in Sioux Falls. Oh, Paul Westerberg, Tommy Stinson, whatever you guys want, <laughs> you get. Just play my party. Uh, 
Jay Farrar, Jeff Tweedy. Just, Forget about Wilco and Sunvolt. Yep. You're playing as opening acts for the replacement. Oh, ye, that might be the hinge right there, not the money. Oh, this would be a celebration of me. <laughs> oh, that would definitely do it. Yeah, Scott Palooza, Hudson Palooza. Yeah. Yes, I like that. So, okay, what's the venue now, for this party, by the way? Well, that would be in the Sanford Building. Oh, okay, got it. But but we get into the other main thing. This is what I would seriously do. Hmm. I, even though I probably wouldn't be spending that much more time here in Sioux Falls, I would definitely want to continue my connection here. So, I would create an enti- entertainment complex similar to what Omaha has that I believe that the Saddle Creek people created with the live entertainment venue and uh, um, a, a theater that only played indie movies that probably have Julie Anderson Friesen run. Ah, sure you're good go. at that. Yeah. Uh, a lounge that would only play Scott music. Um, <laughs> a rehearsal space with cheap rates for bands. Uh, a record store, a bookstore. I mean, God, mm-hmm. that would be... It would be the best building this town had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm, don't tell your bosses this, I'd buy a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. And, we're talking. and that radio station, would, and they would have nothing to worry about because nothing that's played on any radio station in town would be aired on my station. Right, There's no comp- there wouldn't be a competitive issue. No, no Florida Georgia line, <laughs> no Beaver, no Eagles. No Eagles. A no Eagles rule. Yes. Exactly. But these all these places would be run as businesses. They don't have to make any money, but gotta, I mean they gotta yeah. pay the bills. Yeah, right. It's, gotta, it's a break even operation. Yeah, like in the live bar. The it would be free admission, mm. but you would have to pay for drinks. Right. You're not gonna pay for people no, no, no. They'd be reasonably no. priced, of course. Well, well, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I think this is utopia. I think I deserve to win more than anybody. <laughs> I think the people of Sioux Falls would support you in this venture. I think they would, too. Yes. And just think of all the new knowledge they would pick up, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having to go see Fleetwood Mac with two people from the <laughs> original band, they could see a band that's a real band. It hurts me that... Uh that uh, Neil Finn's playing, or Tim Finn, one of the Finn brothers is playing. Uh, oh, I know. I, uh, I, oh, that's, that's a rant for, like, what, next February? Yeah, right, 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 when they do actually maybe come back. Well, okay, all right. So we, we've, we've established the fact that you're going to build this uh, uh, massive entertainment complex, okay? But we're I, take... I think it would have to be by the fall, so I could call it the ledge. <laughs> I like that. And we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk more about this extravaganza because I have a couple questions. Is that okay? Okay, okay. We're going to come right back and talk more with Scott Hudson on We Are Friends about what he would do if he won the lottery. We already know that our, our entertainment life is about to change. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting with Scott Hudson and Weird Friends, and we now know that if Scott wins the lottery, 
He is going to throw a big party with the replacements, uh, uh, the reunited yep. replacements and the reunited Uncle Tupelo, and then uh, 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 build a, a palace, a palace to, to entertainment, uh, to culture, to, to conversation and, and, and life in Sioux Falls, all in the model of, of the Scott Hudson outlook on life. Okay. Exactly. That, that sounds awesome. A positive way to live, actually. Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I see on Twitter... Uh, uh, your your friend Mike Hendrickson says so. It sounds like you're Chuck Brennan in reverse, which is oh, I, 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 I'm the good, I'm the good Brennan, <laughs> I'm the good Chuck. Um, yeah, that which is funny. I, I, I am for I'm, I'm forward a positive aspect outlook at life. Yeah, and that's that is clearly where right. he was like uh you know the bad uh you know uh, well we won't get into the kind of no. bad rock and roll he liked no it was awful um he's probably listening uh and we're all in trouble now um but what would you then so you've done all this right and you're not here mm-hmm. that much you're in cornwall uh and and enjoying the english countryside and traveling around the world on your private jet but what would you want your legacy to be when you sum it up when people look at the things that you've left after you've won the lottery you want them to say, you know, that's Scott Hudson, fill in the blank. Well, it would be that I always, I mean, despite, despite, despite what everyone thinks of me being like a negative Nancy kind of guy, mm-hmm. I'm actually a promoter of things that I like. From day one, for a guy who supposedly hates everything, <laughs> how do I have so many albums and CDs if I hate everything? That's true. You know? So I mean that that that's like that's that's not a truthful thing about me. So I want to be known as like a promoter of quality entertainment yeah. and literature. And literature, yes, yes, and, that and, too. You know all the the cultural aspects of life. The good, you you're a reader, and and yes. yeah, you, bringing bringing that that higher sort of uh, uh, plane of thinking. To the good people yes. of Sioux Falls, in, bringing in a, intelligence to the unwashed masses. Well, and even the washed masses. Well, that, that, <laughs> all the masses, right? That'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Spe- speaking of which, and uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a lovely, lovely legacy, and I, I like that. I think you put that pretty well. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, what are you listening <laughs> to? Uh, well, you know, we are in the fall season, which means that the record companies are opening their vaults. And putting out all kinds of like box sets and unreleased things, and and being the the, the music geek I am, I I um, am the completest that I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there have been a couple things in the last. And, oh, there's some great things in November. But let's go in. You know, the last couple of weeks. First off, one of my top five post Beatles solo albums of all time got the box set treatment, mm-hmm. and that's John Lennon's Imagine. Ooh, really? Yes. Well, that would be very popular. Disc after disc after disc of outtakes and all kinds of stuff like that, which, yeah, I'm a sucker for. Um, it's not as good as All Things Must Pass by George Harrison, maybe a little bit below Band on the Run by McCartney, but imagine it's a great, great record. Probably the last good record John Lennon made. Yeah, so what's so, like, these are just outtakes of, uh, uh, of the recording session, or what's all on there? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like uh, studio sessions, you know, early demos and things like that, yeah. and they've re- they've remixed the the actual record and and uh, and the other one came out I think the same day, maybe a week apart. 
There's a box set of uh, REM at the BBC. Ooh, really? Yes. So it's it's great. It's great. It's it's various concerts and radio appearances and things like that. Uh, BBC, unlike the American radio station networks, they love recording bands live. Right. And so there's a bunch of Peel sessions. There's a there's an early concert. There's a handful of late concerts. And then there's a DVD of them like being on the Jules Holland show and things oh, like yeah. that. It's, 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 a nice, it's, it's a nice overall career kind of overview. Well, it's nice to hear from R.E.M. again. I mean, there's such a... Yeah, I mean, they were a great live band. Yes, and I got to see them. I'm very, very lucky that I got to see them back when Stipe had hair. <laughs> it's how long I saw them with was. and without hair. Yes. Yeah. And that... You know, they, it, it's, it's not, I forget, even I lived it, I forget how much that music, when it hit, was so much different than everything else I'd heard. Yeah, and they, and they really, for, for people our age and in this part of the country, they really were the, the door that opened us up to all kinds of stuff that we would have never known otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they were, they crossed, even before, you know, the songs actually made mainstream radio, they were close enough to the mainstream that everybody knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you two. Yeah, before they hit it big. That's right. Yeah, and, and they were close enough to the mainstream that everyone knew who they were, and the fact that they would do like a Velvet Underground song. That's how I discovered Velvet Underground. Oh, really? Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, how I under- that's really how I found out about the replacements. Peter Buck played on I Will Dare. That's amazing. I didn't there's a, yeah. now there's your nugget for the day. That's a little bit of insight into the, the the discovery of music in the world of Scott Hudson in addition to his legacy. Yeah, and in my my life, yeah, you know, we won't go to that. Anyway, thanks a lot, Scott. We'll talk to you next week. We'll figure out more box sets. That's it. I love that stuff. All right. Talk to you soon. Coming up after the break, after the news and weather, we'll chat with Athea Miller-Ryan. She's bringing in a bad expert. This is the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Coming up in the next hour, we got Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus and Laura Woods, who owns NiceBats.com. Woo-hoo. We're going to talk about bats. And then we're going to talk about the uh, continuing series on Big Sonya, a documentary at Suwan Libraries. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's that time of the week when we talk to Thea Miller Ryan, executive director of the Outdoor Campus in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, part of the Game Fish and Parks Department. And Thea, thanks for being here, Thea. Oh, thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, it's, Love it's great. being here. It's some, one of the highlights of my week. Oh, um, oh there you go. <laughs> uh, and as we know, Thea always brings a friend. Yep. Because that's the way she is. And today, her friend is Laura Woods. She is owner of NiceBats.com. And yes, people, we're going to talk about bats. Laura, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. And for people who listen to this show on a regular basis, we've been, Laura Woods is the former Laura Rutten, North End family extraordinaire. Exactly. So Laura and I go way back, and it was nice to catch up there. That that one's for like my mom 
and people out there who are listening who may know that. All those old North Enders. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. Just hang in a group. a North Ender, always a <laughs> North right. Ender. That's right. <laughs> up there. That's right. And so, uh, but nice, okay, nicebats.com. Um, Laura, uh, w- w- what is that? <laughs> well, it started as we, um, my husband's a roofer by trade, so he... Um, roofs houses has for 20 years and we've realized that there was a problem with bats in homes so he um, started helping people you know get them out of their house and um, put some devices in and we still did it underneath the woods roofing name Mm -hmm. but he um, we found people were you know said you need to give this a name Mm -hmm. so people know what you're doing well he really wasn't the crazy about bats (laughs) and so I had said well let's just call it nice bats yeah and then we'll have somebody draw a little happy bat (laughs) and um, and then we can continue to help people and so over the years we just began to really um, love bats and see the good that they have as long as they're living outside the home, not inside the home. So, so we're here to help you. You're not only a, 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 if somebody's going to help people with that bats at home, you're like a, a bat advocate. You got it. <laughs> were, you a, were you much of a bat advocate before you got into this? Or it's just like you, as you learned, you just became, you know, this is not such a bad thing. Yeah. As we got into it and we started learning more about it, we became to love bats but when we first started we had bats in our home actually and he did not know how to fix the problem at that time and I can tell you a mom with four kids and bats flying in your house was Mm. not always the nicest. (laughs) How long did you have bats in your house? (laughs) Well we had them in there for quite a while and this was before I would say probably three years we lived with them and we had hired some people to help us and they just couldn't figure it out but I think with my husband having the roofing Mm -hmm. Background, and that's where bats like to get in. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to figure it out and really, I mean, he can really help people with it. Before we get into the finer points of bats, um, <laughs> how uh, how do they, I mean, what is it about a house? Because not, you know, not every house gets bats, not old houses, not new, because all kinds of houses get them. What is it that, that allows them to get in in the first place? What Well, it's a lot of, well, it's the transitions. And so there may not be, the flashing may not be tight. Mm -hmm. The vents may not be tight. Um, The, the, you know, like let's say they put a whirly bird on for the airflow in Mm -hmm. that attic and they don't have a screen underneath it. And the bats were excluded from another home. And so then they'll just start circling around to try and find another warm spot to go. And they can sense that, Mm -hmm. you know, the heat. And then they'll just gravitate to those areas. And you can tell if on your home if you have them, if you have the guano. That's what I was going to ask you. How yeah. do I know if I have bats? You yep. hear them scratching around up there, or what's yep. the deal? Well, you do hear them scratching a lot of times. Dang. And some people will think, oh, is there a tree branch outside? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what is that noise? And, um, and it is a bat. Nine times out of ten, that's what's making that noise. Because they can come in the roof line, they can go down the walls, and they can hang. And yes. we've had them where they've gone, <laughs> <laughs> they've gone in between, you know, the two floors. Oh so people no! People are like, you know, this is the, you know, the basement. Why am I hearing them? <laughs> and because um, that's just where they found the nice warm spot. <laughs> so when people call you, are they generally just completely creeped out? They are. Yep, they They're are. Like, and it's kind of. Get the out of my house! <laughs> and I always tell people it's a secret society. <laughs> and I'm so sorry you had to join. 
because people will do trade shows and we're there yep. and someone will walk by and they'll say, oh, I need that card for my friend, you know, she has bats. And then they'll call, you know, on Monday and say, excuse me, that was me. I didn't want the lady with me to know that it's me <laughs> that had bats. You know, people That's don't want to tell people. Image. Yeah, they yeah. do. They oh do. Oh, my gosh. And the people like would be surprised. Like you're lesser because. Yes, but people would be surprised. They think they're dirty. They think that, you know, maybe they have an old house, but it doesn't matter. Brand new houses have them. Well, the guano is not, they are messy. They are. They're very, very, very messy. And each female will have a pup every year. So let's say if you have, you know, three moms that are living in that Mm -hmm. house, she'll have three pups. And so now the colony begins to grow. And that's how it kind of grows faster than people realize and then they're dropping up in that attic, and then in the summer months when it's so hot, mm, the smell is sometimes, you know, excruciating. People are like, God, oh, it just stinks in this house. What could it be? And they don't even know. So I tell people, have you gone in your attic lately? Mm. And a lot of times they're like, no, why would I go in there? You know, there's just mm-hmm. insulation up there. Well, you should go up there because, and just check, if there's any droppings up there, you have bats that are living in your house. Because a lot of times they don't find out until they want to sell their house. And oh. that's what's hard because they're on a crunch. <laughs> they want to sell, but yet they see that they have bats. Oh, God. And they're so good outside. I mean, they eat yep. so many bugs. We're going to talk about <laughs> bats. We're going to talk about bats here in just a moment. Um, but I should say before we go to break here, um, you guys actually uh, uh, are not exterminators. You you remove the bats. You Correct. help them. You assist them in their, their vacation yes, out of the house. There you go. All right. We're going to yes. come right back and talk more about that with... Laura Woods and Thea Miller-Ryan. Uh, Laura from NiceBats.com, and I'm sure you got lots of good information at NiceBats.com. Uh, we'll come right back on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we are here talking with Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus, as we do every Wednesday. And she brings a friend, and today the friend is Laura Woods. She's owner of NiceBats.com. And this is uh, some folks who will come to your home and, and, and solve your bat problem if you have a bat problem. And going into Halloween, you know, bats get a bad name, clearly. Uh, but Laura, uh, we were talking uh, briefly before the break about how uh, you guys are, are like bat friendly. You're bat advocates. You are, you, you are not exterminators. You will remove the bats in a, in a way that is more human. How do you do that? Well, we would go to the house, and we have a device that's kind of like a cylinder, and we install that in the points where we detect that they're coming and going from. Mm -hmm. And so we set those all up during the day, and then at night, when they want to fly out to eat bugs, they can get out it, Mm -hmm. but they can't grab onto it to get back in. And then we leave it up for a while. Tricky. And then, yeah, yep, we leave it up, and then... We'll come back and take those traps out and then put in some flashing and seal up those areas after we know that all of them are flying, you know, have flown out. So like squirrels and stuff, they'll chew holes. But do the bats, like if there's a little opening, will they like open it up? So once you get them out and seal it up, they're not going to do everything they can to get back home. No, they won't. They won't. Well, at good. all we have video to show actually the bats that they once the cone's been in and they flew out you can see them they'll start flying back to the cone then they come back out they realize that they can't get back in that spot that they used to roost so then what happens is is they'll probably go to your neighbors <laughs> <laughs> or to a tree or to you awesome. know find can another I, spot can you to bait go them to. over there and like <laughs> pick a neighbor and say yeah. 
Here you go, bat, bat, bat. Yeah. You, know? you can build bat houses. That's true. Bat houses well, are cool, and you guys have are. those at the outdoor campus, We have right? bat houses, and we have plans. So if people want to build some, um, we have all different kinds of plans that you can come and pick up for free and, and build them. They make great scout projects and, um, you know, church group projects. And you They're can even cool. now buy bat guano online because there's oh boy because they're they're stating that now they're finding that if you have the guano in the bat house they're more apt to go because that's where they're indicating where they're coming and going from oh my gosh so there have been people who have put up bat houses and they can't get them to go there and they're finding that if you transport that guano to that bat house then that's more of an indication that they know to head that direction. Maybe so you should have a side business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can pick up some guano in a little yeah. in a little tube and sell yeah. it. Guano.com. Yeah. Guano. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> nice guano. <laughs> nice guano.com. Yeah, there, there you go. Oh my god. Um and so do you guys have to go in and clean out the guano too? Do you do you know, that? we do and it's kind of become a little bit more of a situation than um than it used to be. Um, this morning, we could have my son on here. He would be sure to tell you how lovely it was this morning <laughs> in an attic where there were piles and piles. Oh, and piles. My oh, my gosh. So it's best just to suck out all that insulation and suck everything out and, and then put it. everything back in rather than trying just to pick up the concentrated yeah. spots because you're not able to always get everything Unless you, um, yeah, well, this, unless you suck it that all is out. so cool. This is quite the <laughs> operation to get rid of your bats and to get rid of you the know, smell. It is. It is. And people sometimes think, you know, you'll come and, it, you know, you set up those devices. But it is a process. I always tell people that once we do it, that first year, you may not have a bat. But that does not mean that you're clear to go. Um, wait for another whole year mm-hmm. of a cycle to say, yep, we got everything. Because we may see div- the spots that those bats were coming and going from, but they're going to try everything they can to find another hole. And let's say there was a tiny, tiny little spot that we didn't detect, mm-hmm. but now they found it, and they're getting back in in another area. They'll be dropping again. Wily and elusive so, bats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, but we'll come back. I mean, once we do your house, we'll stay at oh, it okay. and you know keep at it until we can you know, help you out, make sure that you're totally free. But if somebody says, you know, they're going to come do this, you'll be good in a year. Some people are, but um, some people aren't. I mean, you, it's, you just, so you got kind of, you could have kind of a, I don't, a little racket going there. I mean, not not that you do, but <laughs> like I, I would, I would hate to see, I would hate to see these bats return to your home. Right. <laughs> you have a very nice home here. I would hate to see it full of bats. That's right. Um, I'll send out Guido. Yeah. yeah. So you, you. Yeah. You guys are uh, humane bat uh, uh, removers. Yeah. Uh, why? I mean, they're bats. Come on, just like whack them. Just spray them with something. Get them out of there, right? Yeah. Well, not really, because I oh, think okay. we'll end up finding if people start doing that, you're going to find that we're going to have so many more mosquitoes, so many more bugs, mm-hmm. and the disease, and all of that stuff that they do that you don't really notice now, but once they're all gone or you start decreasing their population, we're going to start noticing, you know, that the... Because you can imagine, I think they say like 5,000, I mean, bugs. I mean, they can eat they can eat enormous amounts of them. They're flitting and, around all over up there. Yeah, and if you sit outside and you think, oh, gosh, I have bats out here flying mm-hmm. around, but That's I still good. have bugs, imagine if you didn't have those bats. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. And also sp- uh, uh, swallows. Swallows eat a lot of mosquitoes, too. Oh, they do, yeah. yeah. Oh, they can yeah. be a little messy. Right. Yes, they can. Uh, <laughs> They're all a little messy. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, so, but let's get this out there, though. The bats—they're yeah. harmless. I mean, really, uh, people are afraid of bats. 
Don't be af- you don't need yeah. to be afraid of the bats, right? No. And a lot of people will think, you know, they want they're going to get in my hair, they're going to, you know, they really want to come after you, but they really don't. They don't want to be in your home no more than you want them in your home. And they don't want to be that you they don't want to be near you? No. Nope. And what happens is is a lot of times they just get disorientated and so rather than flying out like they usually do, mm-hmm. that's when they come in the living quarters and then they're like, "Ah, we shouldn't have been in here. I didn't mean to come this way." You know, so they're really not wanting to be there either. There's a dude and with a tennis racket. Yeah, Run! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You never did that, though, right? No. Chased him down with a tennis racket. Right? No, but we did okay. do the uh, uh, growing <laughs> up in the North End. We had all those Dutch trees, Dutch yeah. elm trees, and uh, uh, there were tons of bats, and there still are. But we would throw the, the put a, like a, a, a rock or a tennis ball in a, in a wet sock or a, tennis <laughs> or a t-shirt or something, yeah. huck it up in the air, and then the bats would dive at it, yeah. and occasionally... Occasionally, you'd get one, that, not get one on the ground. Yeah, because if they fall to the ground, they can't get up. No, they're, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> wish everybody exactly could have seen like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great imitation of a bat. And, and, and at one point, somebody from the neighborhood did, did shoot one out of a tree. Oh, because okay. it was screeching, because they do, they do occasionally get rabies, right? They do, but the percentage is really, really low. It's like 1%. Um, it's not like what people think. It's not like at skunks. No, 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 skunks are way worse. No. Cows. And what did you just say? Thea? Cows, are, cows have more cases of You're rabies than bats. No, rabid cow. Yeah, imagine that. Doesn't that. sound good. Yeah. How about raccoons? Uh, yeah, they can get it too. Possum. Uh, you know what? I think those are one of the critters that can't get rabies. Okay. I. And those are the ones that the people, bats sure. and possum probably safer than your raccoons and skunks. well skunks nobody likes skunks no <laughs> skunks are bad in a lot of ways yeah. but so the, the, to finish up your bats are basically yeah. just a, a mouse with wings they are and, and exactly. mice are mice are people don't like mice though either but but mice kind of can be dirty and bats really take good care of themselves they're they're clean except for their poop but they cl- they're clean and you said well, you and ha- mice i think you open up a drawer a lot of times or if you had a mouse i mean they're eating your food they're eating <laughs> yeah, stuff a bat's right. not necessarily mm-hmm. <laughs> i've had mice in my car and that's bad oh never had a bat in my car <laughs> That's true. That's good, I guess. Uh, Laura Woods. Laura Woods. The business is called NiceBats.com, and uh, they'll come and take care of your bat problem coming into Halloween here. But you know, it's going to be fine, people. Don't worry about the bats. No. Right. That's, right, that's, the, that's the lesson. And, and we're here to help you. I always tell people, I mean, do not worry. We are here to help you. If we did your house um, this year, next year you had a bat, we will come back for be, free. We are not going to charge you again. We're going to keep at it. We do this really literally because I lived with them. I know what it's like. I know the feeling of having a bat fly in your house. And sometimes people telling me their story, I'll like start crying because I can like relive the whole thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Trauma. You know? It is. Flashbacks. It is. So we're here to help. <laughs> uh, and Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus, always bringing in interesting people. Thea, thank you very much for being here again. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be right back after the break. We're going to chat with... Amber Fick of Siouxland Libraries and Holly Hines, and we're going to talk about ethics and elder care as part of that discussion series at the Siouxland Libraries about the documentary Big Sonia. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You can rely on me, honey. 4.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And for the past three weeks on Wednesdays, we have been, well, Sometimes Wednesday, sometimes Tuesday. We've been talking about this documentary uh, that uh, the Siouxland Libraries has available to people. It's called Big Sonia, and it, it, it is a, a story of a woman's life who's a, who's a uh, uh, Holocaust survivor 
and uh, living in Kansas City and just all the different challenges she has in life. And so we've been hitting the various uh, points, uh, topics that are involved. And we talked about the Holocaust and we talked about uh, 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 civil rights and we and we talked about uh, uh, religion, faith, the different faith. And this week we're talking about uh, end of life issues, ethics and elder care. And uh, we have with us Amber Fick from the Sudan Libraries, who's been here every time. Welcome yeah, back, Amber. Hello. Thank you. And uh, today we also have with us Holly Hines, who is the director of hospice at Saracare, uh, a hospice in, in Sioux Falls. And, uh, and we're very happy to have Holly here with us. Thank you for being here, Holly. Thank you. So uh, as part of this series, this discussion series all around Big Sonia, uh, you've had uh, sessions and th- this week is no different. Uh, you'll be discussing these issues from 2 to 3.30 uh, this Sunday at the Downtown Library. Um, and so... Tell me, uh, Holly, um, how how did this movie, this documentary, um, um, sort of uh, intersect with the work that you do, and, and what did you see in that movie that really resonated with you? When I watched the movie, I really saw a very strong woman who has um, overcome a lot of different obstacles throughout her life. You know, here she was, 13 years old, separated from her family, um, never saw her father again, got moved to a tra- um, concentration camp, um, had to watch her mom go to a gas chamber, um, you know, and through that live there, you know, no food and starved to death and the things that she went through through that. But yet she's moved through life and overcome those obstacles and maybe never quite got over what she's seen, but um, continues to live life and, um, you know, married, have kids and the, the things that they've gone through through life. But she's never given up. And I think she's a true testament to um, what life is and how we can't take it for granted. And um, with that, you know, I think it ties into a little bit about what are our goals in life and what do we want? And just as our everyday life is important, so is the end of life. And hospice can be a scary word to many people, but um, and oftentimes it means when you hear it that my loved one's actively dying, the death is near. But we need to move past that and really think about those individuals that are facing long term chronic illnesses chronic illnesses, terminal illnesses that maybe they just don't have any more treatment for, aggressive measures for, or perhaps those individuals don't want anything aggressive done and they want to be cared for in their home, wherever that might be, and have a specialized care team come in and take care of them. And so we're going to talk and discuss what does hospice really look look like in today's world and how can we help to achieve those goals and those wishes, help those families and those patients through mm-hmm. those those times. Yeah. And so... Uh, um Amber, the the libraries, Suan Libraries brought, brought this film in, and it's available still to people. They can check it out from the library. It's a yes. waiting list right now, but a bit of a waiting list. Um, but you can add your name. To but it. it's it's been it's starting to be widely viewed because mm-hmm. you brought it in. It's not available elsewhere. No, right? Okay. Yep. Um, uh, so when you guys were putting together this discussion series, why did you pick this topic, ethics and elder care, and how does that, uh, as as you've been going through it? Uh, uh, fit in with the rest of this discussion series? Sure. Um, End-of-life care and, I guess, growing old, dying, that's something that happens to all of us. It's kind of a common thread in humanity. And the subject of the documentary, Big Sonia, um, Sonia's in her 90s and is starting to 
encounter some of the things that a lot of people start to encounter in their 90s, less mobility, um, things like that. And so I think in framing the great, I guess, things that have happened in her life, the you know terrible trauma of her childhood and then her kind of moving past that trauma, being able to live with it every day but still you know live life um, now that she's reached the end of life, what does that mean for her? Um, what does that mean for all of us, really? What mm -hmm. choices do we have to reach that part of life with dignity and with our own, you know, choices and desires? Mm -hmm. um, th and, and Holly, this is something nobody wants, right? I mean, it, this, I, I don't, I, everybody's afraid of growing old. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. I, me, I'm afraid of growing old. The... I don't want to be lose my mobility. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to see all my friends die, right? And so, how do you? I mean, you're you're the director of hospice. You deal with this every day. How how do you keep people um, keep having goals, stay engaged, uh, uh, help people like live those last few days, last years of their lives in some sort of productive, happy way? You know, I guess my, my biggest motto has always been hospice isn't about dying, it's about living. It's about sitting down with each individual and asking, what do you want? How, how do you want this time to look? What do you want it to look like? Um, what makes you happy? Um, you know, just because you come out of hospice doesn't mean you have to give up. Um, you know, spending time with your grandkids, going fishing, um, you know, what, how do you want your pain controlled? We have those discussions and allowing them to have a choice and have a voice. And it's really about them planning their own time that they have left. Um, it's nobody making decisions for them. It's, it's just helping them to say it's okay um, to make these decisions. And people do struggle. And like you said, nobody wants this time to come. But that's why we have chaplains and social workers and bereavement coordinators and specialized nurses and a care team there to help and assist them through that journey and through that path. So when the time does come, you're ready. The family's ready. And we're there to support them. Or you can just ignore it, which is what I'm planning to do. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Amber Fick of the Siouxland Libraries and Holly Hines, who is the director of hospice at Care Hospice here in Sioux Falls, about the uh, discussion series that's going on at the library this Sunday, 2 to 3.30, the fourth in the series surrounding the documentary Big Sonia. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe I won't feel so free. 4.46 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're talking here with Amber Fick of the Siouxland Libraries and Holly Hines. She is Director of Hospice at Care Hospice in, here in Sioux Falls. And uh, we've been discussing the, the, the documentary uh, uh, series, or documentary Big Sonia, and the discussion series surrounding that. And you can go take part in that Sunday from 2 to 3.30 at the Downtown Library. Uh, because uh, this is uh, the, the fourth in the series, uh, hit the hit the, all the uh, topics surrounding the uh, the movie, which is about a Holocaust survivor and her life in Kansas City. Um, so uh, Holly, uh, first of all, uh, a Sarah Care is interesting in that when we when I think of hospice, I think of a building mm -hmm. with people in it who are about to die, mm -hmm. right? But that's not what you guys do. 
a Seracara is is not an inpatient situation. Tell us about what it is you do. Um, a Seracara is um, a freestanding hospice that um, we provide hospice services to wherever a patient calls home. Um, there are hospice agencies that um, do have inpatient hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have a building. So we go to, you know, wherever that home might be, a private home, assisted living, nursing home. We come to them with our services. That in-home care, though, that's something that people really want, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody wants to go and be in a facility unless you really have to. Yes, most of the time. But we all want to be home. You end up going to a lot of assisted living centers and that yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so... You, how, how long have you been doing this work? I've been in hospice since 2008. And and uh, it's not, it was it something you always wanted to do or how did you end up doing this? I would say it's something I always wanted to do. Um, I lost my father when I was 12 years old. He um, passed away of cancer and um, we were lucky enough to have him home for some time. And I have very um, vivid and fond memories of being able to spend time with him Um you know, late at night, he'd be up and help him to the bathroom or help him go get a glass of milk or um, and just be able to have that time um, when I knew he was dying um, to to share memories, to have conversations from him, to let me know that even though he wasn't going to be here, he'd always be with me. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that not everybody gets. And I think of like Sonia, who um, got taken away from her family and never got to see her dad again. You know, she didn't get that closure. And I'm very fortunate that I got that closure. And, you know, fast forward through my life, I've always been involved in healthcare since I was, what, 12, 13 and can work. I worked in long-term care and I grew up in healthcare. And it wasn't until I went to nursing school and I did a rotation in my clinicals for home health and hospice where it really hit home. Like, um, this is where I belong. This is what I'm meant to do. Um, I'm very passionate about hospice. I'm very passionate about um, people knowing what hospice truly is, the value of it, and of no one dying alone to really truly having that benefit, um, having peace and dignity, um, and really having a voice in how they want to live their life at the end. When we talk about the ethics of elder care, and that's sort of what you'll be discussing in a panel uh, at the library on Sunday from 2 to 3.30, are we... Are we dealing with it? In the, are, do we, are we applying the proper ethic to the way we take care of people in their last years? You know, that's a tough question. Um, I think there's always room for improvement. Um, I think there's always time to have better conversations with patients and families. Um, I think sometimes we wait too long to have conversations. Um, I think we really, as a society, need to educate ourselves on our options and what's available to us and ask more questions. And I think as frontline caregivers, um, physicians, you know, nurses, anybody related in the healthcare field, um, we really need to make sure that we're providing that education and truly making sure patients and family understand what's available to them. Uh, do you, uh, do you find it, uh, that people, I mean, you're talking about, we don't, started early enough almost every almost nobody is prepared right nobody is prepared for the day when you need long-term care hospice care uh how do we how do we get better we're not getting better at that we Mm -hmm. just it just stays the same but nobody wants to talk about Mm -hmm. dying what 
how can we get, how can I get better? I'm 53 years old. How can I get better at this? I think a lot of it is, like I said, educating yourself, asking those questions and really doing your research and just knowing that being honest with ourselves that we are getting older and preparing just like it is preparing your will and um, getting all those things in place. This is just another step in that. Because you can, you, you can control the mm-hmm. way you live. You can. And the dignity and the, the, the pain or the peace that you get to live with. Exactly. It's your choice. It's, you need to have a voice in how you want to live. Yeah. Um, that would be a more ethical approach mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, because then you, you make your own choices rather than somebody else making them and who may not do what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be a little bit selfish, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, Amber Fick uh, from the Siouxland Libraries, librarian. Uh, so what's going to happen on Sunday? How is this going to work? If I, if I show up at 2 o'clock at the downtown library for the discussion series, what am I get, what's going to happen? Yeah, so um, Holly, along with uh, your colleague... Um, Barb McZooey. Yes, and then um, another woman from the Heritage Funeral Home, the mm-hmm. director over there, will be a part of a panel. So if you come to the program, the three of them will, I'm sure, give a little talk about what they do and their um, perspective on the issue, and then it will open it up to questions. So if you've got, um, you know, any questions or just topics that you'd like to hear someone's thoughts on, definitely bring those questions with you. Um, I think there will be treats, so that's always <laughs> exciting. Free food is good. Free yeah. food <laughs> brings people off for anything. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, Amber Fick, she is a librarian with Sudland Libraries. And Holly Hines, she is the director of hospice at Asera Care Hospice in Sioux Falls. And uh, we appreciate you both coming in, and, and, and good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat about what's coming up tomorrow, because that's what you got to know. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Some pirate satellite, orbiting your living room, cashing in the Bill of Rights. Cuban army surplus, or refusing of the lights. This is Radio Cash on Pirate Satellite. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, first of all, let me tell you about this. Saturday, I meant to tell you about this, Zombie Walk. This year's theme is at the movies. You can come dressed as your favorite movie character. Registration is from 1 to 5 p.m. at the L-Ride Shrine. Costs 3 bucks. Get your makeup done from 1 to 4 for 5 bucks. The walk starts at 5 p.m. at the L-Ride Shrine in downtown Sioux Falls. This year's event proceeds benefit Ladders of Smiles and the Sioux Falls Roller Dolls. It's a good time. It's always a big event downtown Sioux Falls, and uh, this Saturday will probably be no different. I just saw on Twitter that uh, Scott Hudson has said uh, that maybe he should, in his in his uh, his plan for lottery winnings, that maybe he should just buy the uh, Badlands Pawn and turn that into his his uh, uh, palace to Scott. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Same sign. Ocean carries. Yeah, that was no problem. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we got a short show because there's a high school football game on at 4 o'clock because it's playoffs, and uh, that starts at 4. So we're going to go from 3 to 4. We're going to probably talk more politics, talk more about this poll. We'll start to really tear that apart, and there'll be some more polling tomorrow. So we got plenty of politics to talk about. Join us on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.